One. Although I just realized I think everyone could hear me say one. <laughs> Tim and I are trying to figure out how to start this recording. Um, is this going live on anything or are you just recording it for uh, YouTube? Uh, YouTube, yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, here we are. It's uh, Swing Thoughts. Yeah, we could do that. You know, it's funny. The uh, Humble and Fred show, we started doing... Um, well, we had been streaming on Twitch for a long time, and then we started streaming on Facebook a couple of years ago, but we didn't let the video go because I couldn't be bothered. And then once the pandemic hit and we were doing this format every day, we just started running the stream. And as I told you a few months ago, it's interesting. We actually get a, a good gathering of people who watch it live. And I'm assuming, you know, we should do that one day. We should actually do a special Swing Thoughts with a bunch of our, you know, friends here on Zoom and actually stream it live. You know, I think people would like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. We'll get, we'll get that organized. Why not? Do a special, uh, maybe midsummer swing thought, you know, jamboree. And you're such a you're such a great marketer. Now you probably have like buttons and like, uh, <laughs> you know, you'll have a special uh, commemorative swing thoughts uh, plate, maybe <laughs> or swing thoughts merch. Yeah, we're, exactly. we're making that. See, now this show is really going someplace. You know, six years traction. Now we're getting into merch, or at least talking about it. I'm golf spiritual leader, obviously. And uh, with me is Coach Tim. This is Swing Thoughts, uh, year six, uh, multiple uh, award-winning uh, podcast. Uh, don't, it's uh, some obscure awards, but we've won a lot of them. Uh, this we don't want to get bogged down in the details of all the awards we've w- we've written. Uh, I've won. Well, I don't want them to go to my ego nor yours. So exactly. We'll just, we just, you know, just how about this? Be comfortable. Knowing you're listening to award-winning golf mental podcasts. Uh, this program is brought to you by uh, JW Apparel Inc. Tim's got a nice. Uh, I'm going to guess is that a B Dratty Tim or a zero restriction or a fairway in green? This is an F and G. Nice. Getting so comfortable, we're speaking in acronyms now. I love it, man. Yeah, it's pretty good. I'm wearing. Uh, this is a no restriction. And uh, it's actually a zero restriction. I'm sorry. Zero. <laughs> That's right. That's right. This is why we have won all the awards. It's a sans, sans restriction. This uh, uh, has a zero restriction. Uh, okay, I'm going to put the music down. I, although I do, uh, you know, one day we should just do the whole show over that song. Totally. Just put on a loop. Yeah, why not? Um, they're uh, jwapparelinc.com. Fantastic. And of course, tailor made golf.ca whether you're looking at uh you know the way that the company has changed the shape of the driver the sim 2 i get asked this all the time i'm sure you do too and it's a legitimate question you know how much better is this than say the last version and i can only tell you from experience because i i use the sim uh, last year sim loved it the sim 2 i can only say and i and i've said this before about their equipment Yes, the good shots will be great. And, and I, I don't, yeah, they might go a little bit farther, but what will you'll really notice is the off-center, twist-face, whatever shots just seem to go better. And the Sim 2 is what's, uh, is another level of that. So, you know, that's what I would say. What would your thoughts be? Uh, uh, Complex. Complimentary. Absolutely. I'm right on the same track. So I played last night, men's night, at Blue Springs, and I hit uh, two par fives and two. Wow. The second one was just just short of it. Were you playing and the red tees, the kids' tees? Were you? <laughs> Sorry. Come on. I'm, come on, Tim. I'm just giving you a little come business. On. Oh, look how, look how sad you got. <laughs> you, you know, I would just did... feel my body. You just feel my body deflate. Uh, you just see me go. Ooh. Oh, buddy, I would. I'm sorry. I would have thought you just told me to fuck off. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, I'm so, You hit the. You hit from. The, you did a good job, Tim. Buddy. Okay, so you hit the two greens in two. I, I played from the blues. All right, but um, I was. I was surprised how far I hit the ball for. You're a far hitter. Sixty-four years, buddy. You can hit it far. Well, it's. Yeah, well, I'm kind of surprised. I think, um, well, I'm feeling strong these days, but 
with no bullshit, I think this driver, the Sim 2 Max driver, it, for me, uh, perhaps it's, it's also the technology, a, a different shaft, whatever. Yeah. It, I've gone from 10.5 to 9. Yes, sir. But, but I'm getting a lot out of that. Uh, I, I can't believe how, <laughs> like on 12 at Blue Springs. That's the part like five little, with the tree in the middle? Yeah, just kind of yeah. on that left-hand side. Yep. It was just down into that little valley. If and It just got caught in the rough. It had gone down. I would have hit it where the kids hit it. Okay. I'm sorry I made that crack about the red twos. You're forgiven. Uh, TaylorMade's longest and most forgiving driver ever played by Tiger, DJ, Rory, Colin Morikawa, Tommy Fleetwood, Matthew Wolf, who had a nice uh, U.S. Open. And mm-hmm. Nick Taylor, the Canadian golfer. Here's a segue. Uh I was going to say I felt bad for Mackenzie Hughes only in that, you know, yeah. you know, golf's tough and he had a, a tough final round. But I felt good about the way he seemed to take it in stride. You know, we've had uh, did we have Cowks on the show because I used to work with Cowks a little bit. That's uh, Mackenzie. No, we've so. never had Scott Cowks on the show. So Cowks uh, works with Mackenzie. And I worked with Cowks briefly for uh, a bit back in the fall of, uh, I want to say, 2018. Uh, very interesting guy. And Mackenzie Hughes has got a great attitude. And, I, you know, I was proud of the guy. He did, he did golfs. He shot 77. And as Hank Haney said in his podcast the next day, you know, kind of what he predicted that Mac and uh, the other guy would shoot. Uh, Russell Hanley. Yeah. yeah. Well, didn't, uh, didn't Mackenzie Hughes beat Bryson? In the final round, what did Bryson end up shooting? I don't know. It was like 33, 44. Yeah, he shot 77. He shot 44 on the back nine, which is a, a really interesting takeaway for the rest of us. Bryson DeChambeau is one of the top five players on planet Earth, and he hit two or three shots. Did you see that hole that he fucked up? Yep. Hey, yeah, could you, it, you do me a favor? Can you just turn down your speakers a little bit? Because I'm starting to oh. hear myself a little bit through your speakers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, you know what, Coach Tim? So let's much. let's take that hole as a, a great cautionary tale for the rest of us. Because the mistake he made was the first shot he hit after the tee shot. Because all he had to do was go sideways, which is what everyone should do. And then yeah. he would have been about 220 to the green, 215, maybe a six iron, seven iron for the guy. But the most he was ever going to make if he goes sideways was par or bogey. And I think making triple there basically just, you know, your wiring gets all screwed up. Oh, totally. Well, you're so when you're in competition, I mean, obviously I have no uh, only from talking to people in the uh, at that level, just like the le- the level of focus and how alive your body is and all that stuff. Um, when you take the balloon, uh, when you prick the balloon of the possibility is gone, it's, it's so hard to, to maintain it. And I just think that he plays with such frenetic energy that that energy has to find uh, some kind of a direction that stays there. Otherwise, I just think it sort of like uh, explodes. Like when I watch him get ready for a tee shot, like just the way it builds up, that energy is building up. I can just imagine the energy until it finally, it just kind of like takes off like a rocket. And I think that energy, if it's not directed someplace, it's going to go sideways. Um, agreed. Let, let me just, uh, <clears throat> I like to use this phrase because it makes me sound like I'm in corporate business. Can we just put a pin in that for just one second, Tim? Do you mind? I agree. Um, yes, Because I, I want to talk about his tee shot routine. And um, our cool. good friend uh, Sean Casey and I have been talking about that. I've been, uh, since the indoor season, I've uh, been going to see Sean at his place in Burl Oak, uh, fantastic indoor facility. We'll talk about that some other time on a show. But just a really, you know, Sean's really taken this sort of entrepreneurial path. Anyhow, totally. <clears throat> so Sean and I were talking about why he does that and how what that can be a, a lesson for the rest of us. The reason I like it is n- now when you watch Bryson DeChambeau, what he's doing 
from a neurological standpoint, to your point about this, this energy, what he's doing is he's getting his body ready to hit a driver, which is different than what you need to do to hit a sawed-off, chippy wedge, you know, 115. Yeah. And, and what, what Sean and I were saying is, you think about it, so let's say, you know, you play um, at our course, you know, you might, or your course, you might play a par four where you didn't use driver, followed by a par three, and then there's a par five where you want to hit driver. So now it might be three or four holes since you've hit driver. And again, it goes back to commitment, routine, process. So you get on that hole where you haven't hit driver in, you know, let's say an hour, 45 minutes. And you just get up and without a practice swing, most players, most of our amateur friends just get up, barely take a practice swing and then try and swing their longest club, the hardest that they're going to make a swing, you know, all day. So what Sean said to me is, you know, if you think about it that way, before you hit driver again, take some driver swings. Takes maybe not DeChambeau level, but certainly take a few good hard cuts at it so that you're basically telling your body, hey, this is what's coming. You know, you'd never you'd never see a baseball player, you know, go uh, into the uh, on deck circle and not swing that bat hard because they're about to try and swing it as hard as they can. I so, love that. That is that, that just makes a ton of sense. So a lot. Thank you. You know, it's funny because a lot of people look at, at DeChambeau and myself included before Sean pointed this out to me and thought, you know, what, what is he doing? But even so now that I've noticed it, you even non DeChambeau tour players, you'll see them take a good like it, they all do their, you know, whatever their routines are. But you watch them before they hit driver. They take a good hard couple of good hard swift practice swings. Because you're trying to prime your brain and your body, Timothy. Well, isn't that what we're doing with uh, the super speed sticks? A- absolutely. I'm just talking for that again. Put a pin in that for a second. I'm just talking about on course good practices, yeah. right? Um, especially and another thing. My friend Henrik, who I was on the phone with before you uh, started recording this morning, our friend Paul. You know, he always tells me. I said, "How many practice swings do you take when you chip?" I go, I don't know, a few. He says, you really should, you watch, and again, watch guys on TV, how many practice swings they take around the green. Some of it's dozens. Whereas most of us, again, self-conscious, don't want our friends to make fun of it. You know, we get up there sometimes. I see people play without even a practice swing. Like I'm trying to hit it from here to just to there. Well, I want to just get that feel. And you watch good players. They do it over and over and over again until they feel they found as Henrik said, you're trying to find what you think is the amount of effort to put into that shot, which is, again, similar to Bryson. But that's that's a GSL maxim from years. It's when it's your turn, take your turn. Take your turn. Exactly. Take your I remember watching turn. Jeff. I remember watching Jeff Ogilvie on number two at Glen Abbey. Uh, I think he had short sided himself. So he's got kind of he's trying to hit this little floppy thing. And I think I counted 12 practice swings. Yeah. Because it's, it's getting your body, like, sort of connect back to Bryson and, and, you know, preparing for liftoff. It's priming your body and then letting it, letting it, it do its thing. Um, how many pins have we got going here? Uh, I can't. Here's the funny thing about it. the first pin. I, I can't remember what it was. Um, Okay, I'm going to just go, go, go back. back to Can you Bryson. go back one pin? <laughs> no, I'm going to go back two. Uh, okay. So, because oh, I think three would go back to Mac, two would be to go back to Bryson in, the, right. in his liftoff uh, routine. Um, I think what part of what I think more what I mean about Bryson, he just has this frenetic energy. It actually makes me uncomfortable watching him. I remember last year in the U.S. Open, it was like, I didn't like watching him. It was the same way. I mean, remember when Sergio at uh, Beth Page Black yeah. was like the regrips, you know, unos, dos, tres. Yeah, going can't on watch forever. It. I know. I know. It just, it makes me uncomfortable. And so I just have a sense that that energy and, and the way he reacts, you yes. know, he hits a, hits a, uh, a bunker shot or a chip and it doesn't go. It's like, oh, I don't know. I, I, I The guy's won a major. He's amazing. But I think there's sort of a... I don't know, a maturation that needs to happen in terms of, of channeling that energy. In the same way, Spieth. Remember, like, Spieth early in the day, like, n- he still... <laughs> he still talks to his ball. 
Absolutely, which I love. But I don't find that it's as frenetic between him and Greller now in that sort of pre-shot process and got to touch the towel and all that stuff. I just think that at a certain point that that managing that energy becomes a difficult thing the more you're feeling this pressure and perhaps this anxiousness and this this grand desire for a certain result. I, I agree, but remember, we're talking about we're talking about boys, basically. I mean, that's another thing you f- we s- sometimes forget as hockey fans, <laughs> you know, baseball fans or whatever your sport is. You know, I look at those kids. Uh, we're recording this, by the way, on the 25th of June. Montreal just, you know, got yeah. to the Stanley Cup finals. But they're kids. They really are. I mean, you've got sons in that age group. I've got daughters 23 and 26. They're children. So when we talk about the maturation process or how John Rom reacts or doesn't or Bryce, we're talking about like I know when I was 25, I thought I was grown up. But now that I'm 100, you know, the other, the other <laughs> thing I'd say about Bryson, the, the, and I just want to get through this last nine holes of his because he made a triple and then he made a quad. But I think it's exactly... Well, partly what you said about once the notion of being able to win, because at the turn, he was tied for the lead or close to it, and then it was just gone. And I was surprised because he's a decade guy. That's right. The first decade mention of the day. Not the Thank you. Thank you very much. Everyone take a drink. I've mentioned decade that only took 16 minutes. All right. Uh, I was really shocked because he was an early adopter. He's one of Fawcett's first guys. Uh, this was back in the NCAA uh, times. And uh, it really surprised me that he was in the. Again, he's now one of the top players. And he thought he could advance that ball. But he couldn't. And that was the end of it. Okay. Um, uh, you want to go back to Matt Hughes for a sec? Yes. And then we got a pin. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you forward to another pin. And then I'm going to talk to you. I haven't even introduced today's uh, topic yet, uh, but I think you're going to love it. So what is your last uh, Mac Hughes thing? Um, I just think that most of the time in golf, we fail. Oh, yeah. Most of the time. And I just think Mac Hughes, like most PGA Tour players, just, okay, well, it stung. Uh, I hoped I would do better. Mm-hmm. You know, I dreamed of winning, whatever. But... That's just a really good learning experience. I think that's what the best players in the world do, and yep. great amateurs. It's always like, what did I learn from this? Like, Mac had never been in that position before. And and I love the way he conducted himself, and that will just bode well. And that's why he's there, is just the, you know, learning from one thing, take it to the next tournament. What'd you learn there? Take it to the next thing. You know, and that's, and that's it. As a... Uh you know, as a person uh, myself, I, I I love and I and I, I I live in my golfing life. I really love tournament play. I had a little tournament, the Senior Ryder Cup thing on on Tuesday, and even though it was just a friendly match, our core club against a bunch of other clubs, in the moments of competition, I love it. And oh, yeah. and, and I and I. It really tur- it turns me on to be nervous and under pressure and have to sink putts. And, you know, there were a couple of moments in this match where and we were playing, you know, we played the other best guys. So I was, you know, it, they were very good players and they beat us. But it was a very close match. You know, it was like, uh, you know, you get two points for the front, two points for the back and two points for the overall. And they birdied the ninth hole to win the front nine one up. Uh, we tied the last hole to to, we only we it was a really good match at one point one of their players hit about a 190 yard shot from the rough to two feet Ooh. and it was alternate shots so my partner hit one up on the green and i had a nine foot putt to tie the guy and even though it was a no you know and didn't mean anything match in bridgewater whatever golf course on a tuesday afternoon when i sank that nine foot putt to cut the guy off believe me i fist pumped and I don't doing it on my point is I love it, but I also want to be a gracious loser. Yes, I was pissed that we lost, but I wanted to look the guys in the eye and say, listen, you guys played great today um, and we played good. Like, you know, it was one of those matches where, you know, there were some good shots on both sides. My point is that's the reason I play. I like that situation. It's not for everybody. And it doesn't mean that you're not a good golfer if you don't enjoy it. 
But as you said, Mac Hughes is there to gather experience. Uh, I'm, I'm not just flexing here, as the kids say. Uh, I've gathered enough experience so that when I feel that little weird feeling just below your sternum, I, I interpret it now as excitement as well as nerves, right? Because that's that's the interpretation. Physiologically and psychologically, those feelings are very similar. You're nervous tomorrow morning on the first tee of your club championship. It can also be interpreted as excitement. Totally, yeah. And and isn't that a great way to live? Isn't that like a vibrant... Oh, yeah. A, a vibrant way to live? My goodness. But it's funny. I was talking to a client yesterday, and I was reflecting. So I... I was a, a rep hockey goalie, and I remember um, getting ready for games and everything. And it was like, it's like, wow, this is. I'm really looking forward to this. And then a part of me would go, never mind. I just want to go home and sleep for three months. <laughs> I, I could be, I could be watching TV right now. Yeah. I, I, I don't need to go on the ice and have guys take, you know, slap shots at my head and and worry whether I'm going to let in a soft goal from center. <laughs> But we, but for that's I think that's what we're searching for in this not searching for but that's the stuff that keeps us moving forward is that 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 excitement that joy and fear that that's what excitement mm-hmm. really is it's yep. a mixture of joy and fear at the same time because we want to find out just how good we are and 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 have some fun and and. And, you know, like when people score goals and whatnot, why do they go ape shit? <laughs> because it's just this thing we want to do as humans. And, and we've overcome this challenge and all that, whether it's like getting food back when we were uh, Neanderthals to, you know, Montreal scoring in overtime. You, you know, um, Boy, that's a that's a segue. That's I love bridge. It. But I, and, and I followed every moment of it. Um, thank you. I, I, you know, I so relate to what you said about. You know, why do we do that? Why do we put ourselves in those situations? And, um, you know, some people, again, they don't like... I know a guy, doesn't matter. He's a very, very, very good golfer. He just doesn't like playing tournaments for various reasons. Um, so he doesn't play in the club championship anymore. And he doesn't play a lot of GAO events because at some point in his life, he became uncomfortable with having to post a score. And, and I, the way I put it is, I, is putting yourself in harm's way. And, um, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, one mid-am a few years ago, I shot 92 in the first round and that score got posted and I got to my car and there was like dozens of messages, Bondi calling me, are you okay? You know what I mean? And, and I, so I've shot 92 and I've shot, you know, 69 and I can tell you the number of people that give a, a shit and a half is about the same, right? But, exactly. But I, you know... Why, you know, very many nights I've gone downtown and gone on stage in front of 300 people and I'm in the back in the green room waiting and looking at my stuff and I'm thinking to myself, why? I don't need to be here. I have RRSPs. You know, I don't need, I am older than everyone. There's not, you could take two people in any of that group in that crowd on a Saturday night. I'm, I'm older than any two people in the room. I, I'm, I don't need to be there, but I put myself in that situation because just what you said, I kind of want to see how I'll show up. Also, it becomes addictive to like that feeling of being a little bit uncomfortable and, and, and can you overcome it? And if you don't do well, what does that feel like? Uh, which is why I gravitate towards tournament golf because, you know, our senior club championship is this weekend and I know tomorrow I'll be nervous and excited, but I also know that, you know, I'm, that I'm okay in those situations. I, I have shown, I know in my, you know, they talk about trust. I trust that in those situations... Even if I don't prevail, I'll be fine. You know, that being said, if you check uh, this episode a year ago, yes, after the first round, I punched the inside of my car repeatedly. I'm a flawed, you know, spiritual leader. (laughs) Well, even though you are a spiritual leader, you're still a human. So funny. I'm laughing because my eldest daughter called me last night. She's like, are you ready, Papa, for the the club championship? Because I told her on, you know, Father's Day. I said, yeah, I feel pretty good. I said, I'm in a good space. I actually, I didn't even get the full sentence out. I go, I think I'm in a, you know, pretty good space emotion. He goes, oh, oh, you mean, are you the same guy that punched the inside of his car a year ago? I'm like, oh yeah, that's me. 
I'm so you all, You're also a defending champion. Yeah, I've... Uh, you know, I, I am defending champion, and, I, and, I, and I've done well. Like, three of the last four years, I have finished first. I lost in a playoff. I won it twice. But I also recognize there's lots of good golfers. And, you know, Dustin Johnson, number one player in the world, didn't win the U.S. Open. And you got to just, because golf is hard. And, you know, I just, just before you came on the Zoom call, I was talking to my buddy Henrik, and I said... I know one thing I, I can guarantee this weekend is I won't beat myself. I mean, I may have a bad round and because golf is hard and bounces are unpredictable, but I won't go out tomorrow and get down on myself if I make a triple bogey, which I did on the second hole of the, the tournament last year because I've done all those things. So I'm not ready to put a pin in this, but I'll say just as a segue, whether it's your club championship, your Saturday round, or you're just having a nice day on the golf course, you know, you can, you can only guarantee a couple things. You can guarantee your attitude. You can guarantee your process. You can't guarantee your, your ability because that sort of changes every day. But, totally. but you, can, you, can, you can take care of a lot of things that we talk about on the show. Those are predictable. So I've already guaranteed myself, and I'll say it to you, that I won't lose this. Someone's going to have to beat me, but I won't make a decision that will beat me. If I, if I have to make a double bogey on a hole and that's the best I can do, I'll make the double. I won't try and hit a shot and make a quad. Just, I just know that. So I can guarantee that. And if I shoot 80-80 and lose by 20, that's fine. I'll know that those were the best 80 shots I could take on that day. I just know that about myself. Well, I really look forward to our next show when I can uh, interview you and say, "Hey, <laughs> the post round, the post round." Yeah, and, and we won't we won't start with birdies and bogeys. <laughs> That's right. You'd be wearing your you'd be wearing your TaylorMade hat because you're, it's your sponsor. That's it's right. You'd be wearing your your fairway and green or Beedrady shirt. Make sure you have all that stuff. Hey, Tim, I thought we would do a quick uh, pivot here. I like that one too. Let's unpack some of our viewer emails. Uh, do you have it in front of you? Uh, no, okay. but I can find it. Well, because I thought it was it was written to you. I should have given you a warning. Um, oh, that's so you find it. We do, we do this podcast through our computers, so it's rather convenient. I'm sitting yeah. right here. Uh, this uh, came to us from uh, Cameron Scott. And uh, if you want to write us, you can. It's uh, Can I give out your email? I, I do all the time. Tim, uh, Tim, what is it? O'Connor, Tim at Tim O'ConnorGolf.ca. Tim at O'ConnorGolf.ca. Uh, and uh, HumbleHoward at gmail.com. I probably should have a golf spiritual leader handle on there, but I don't. You should, you should, you should what Howard at gsl.com That's right. Howard at uh, ascended to golf nirvana. Uh, so, do you have the email? I do. I do. Uh, please, would you uh, favor us with it? Uh, Coach Tim, I'm happy that Ontario has finally lifted restriction on golf. La da da. Wanted to share a quick note. Twelve handicap here. Broke 80 for the first time in a couple of years yesterday with my father-in-law on looking. Nice. Yours and GSL's advice on, quote, not creating a story ahead of time, unquote, popped up a few times in my round today. I was aware of the story forming in my head as the closing holes of the round approached. And like a good lad, I told myself, self, (laughs) those are good thoughts. Let's put them aside and focus on the next shot. I felt a resolute confidence and a noticeable intention within each stroke that followed. Thanks again for the help. And, and he uh, goes, 79 includes a double and a triple bogey, but that's just a story. <laughs> I love that. And, and Cameron, uh, two things. Thanks for sharing us, uh, sharing that story with us. And of course, thank you for referring to me as GSO. That gives you extra points. He, uh, you, you, you kind of missed his, his sign off before he said, so he signs it off. Thanks again for the help. And then he says, Ave Sol Invictus, which is, I didn't know how to pronounce it, which is Latin for hail to the eternal sun undefeated. Ave Sol Invictus at, at Turne. Hail to the eternal sun undefeated. I love the shit 
out of that. That is amazing. And, uh, yeah. Loved thank it. you for enlightening me on, on, on that. That's, I thought maybe it was Greek or Greek Latin. It's, it's, that's not all the same stuff, is it? I don't know. I just looked it up on the internet. But I love, I love the, th- I love the sentiment that uh, hail yeah. to the internal sun. That that is what golf is. It's a, it's a nod to, you know, eternally looking to the heavens for inspiration. But isn't that great? I mean, I mean, it's, it is so good. The the idea of knowing because the thing is, in any round, whether it's good or bad, in all these rounds we talk about, you know, I. You know, I have those thoughts. I feel the story forming. Uh, mm-hmm. We all start to get ahead of ourselves, especially for especially for playing well. Um, but I, what I wanted to introduce to you today is what I call uh, pathways to improvement or pathways to par. The PTP system. This will be my webinar. This is what it's about. (laughs) So just what what you'll learn in Pathways to Par or Pathways to Improvement, I'm not really 100% sure. So, folks, if you're uh, you come back, this this is coming at the 44 minute mark. <laughs> so you can you can just bookmark no, that. 31 go, minute mark. So you can keep coming back to this. <laughs> 31 minute mark. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. We've been talking, you and I. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I can see on the recording. Yeah. So what's in Pathways to Par? And, um, and I thought a lot about this. So I wanted to offer it to you and see what your feedback would be. I, I think you can divide golf into three different sections or any golf game has these three elements. Skills, strategy, and scoring. And as I said to you, uh, talking about... And they all you know, start with S. They do. Uh, a little alliteration in there for you. Um, Lovely. The reason I, I say about... I, I can only guarantee uh, this weekend that I'm going to show up and I, and I won't beat myself. I won't make a swing until I'm ready. I won't make a decision that, that isn't thought, thought through. And I won't... You know, I won't... I'm going to try and make as many committed swings as I can. And I'm scoring myself uh, these days. Dr. Michael Larden... Uh, wrote a book and he's another decade guy. All right, hang on. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, because um, decade, in the way you enter your statistics, you have a, a chance to give yourself a score on your mental um, focus on the whole. Even if you make a bogey, so you, the bogey is five, and so you give yourself a score at a five, and let's say maybe you sort of fell asleep on the, the chip shot, you weren't really focused on where you wanted the ball to land, you give yourself a four to five. And I've mentioned this before, most tour pros sort of rock around a 95%, most amateurs rock around a 70%, and over the last 10 or 12 rounds, I'm in the sort of 90 percentiles, like my 69, the day I shot 69, I was at 95%, the day I shot 87, I was not. So back to the PTP program. So you have skills, you have strategy, and you have scoring. Your skills, as you and I have talked endlessly about, they change day to day. You know, like, you know, some days you're feeling, you know, like you're flushing it. And some days you might be drawing it on the range and you just go, you know, whatever. But your skills vary day to day. But there's kind of a baseline. Like if I took you out to a golf course today, you know, you would hit some good shots, you'd hit some bad shots, but your overall, you know, shots would be of a certain level because you're of a certain level. So your skills are variable, but they're somewhat dependable because, you know, it's not like tomorrow I'm going to go out and forget how to hit a, a, a bunker shot. It may not be the best bunker shot, but I have a certain amount of skills. But the strategy and scoring, those can are, those can be fixed. And what I mean by that is, let's take Bryson. His strategy on that hole led him to make a triple bogey, not his skills. And of course, in, in the, you know, the silos here are, you know, the mental attitude and the, you know, all the, the other things that are sort of subsections. But strategically, you can guarantee that you're going to try and make as many good decisions on any given golf day. That is something you can, as, as Doolin would say, those are, you know, the kind of things you can take care of. Take care of the things you can take care of. And strategy and scoring, because here's the other thing that used to happen to me, and maybe it happens to you too. When I wasn't hitting the ball well, that's all I thought about all day. Totally. Yep. 
you know, I was just beside myself trying to fix my swing. And we've talked a million times about this, but I, I now recognize that what I didn't, what it took me away from is the strategy that led to scoring. Because when I was not hitting it well, I, was, I stopped thinking about chipping and putting and, and approaching well because I was so obsessed with why do I suck at, at, at ball hitting. So, <laughs> so strategy and scoring are things you can guarantee. And, I, and again, obviously you can't guarantee you're going to get up and down, but what you can at least guarantee, even on a hole where you hit it shit, is you can guarantee you're, you're going to do the best you can to get it as close as you can. And if that means you have to hit away from the pin because it's right over a bunker, whatever it is, if you're a 15 handicap and you're beside the green in two and you're trying to hit a flop shot over a bunker to a near pin, that's bad strategy, which leads to shitty scoring. But strategy to the middle of the green and two putt for bogey, well, good. Good on you. And so in the PTI program, or PTP, I haven't decided... <laughs> What what we'll teach you is in those in in that area that every round of golf you play has an element of skill, which you have sort of baseline. You have an element of strategy and an element of scoring. And sometimes we get so hung up on where are my skills today that we forget. And this is where I'm going to wrap it up. We forget that you can still make good decisions on a bad swinging day and you can still make the best scoring decisions to minimize uh, the, you know, the vagaries of the game. Thoughts, comments, concerns. Well, I'm sort of sad that it ended. That was so good. That's a, that's a milestone. I got more. I got more. No, that was so good. Um, I'll give you a great example of what you're exactly what you're talking about. Last night, talk to me. Playing, playing the Blue I'm Springs. <laughs> Thank you, Fraser Crane and GSL. Um, so I pull my drive a bit on number fourteen at Blue Springs. So it, it's kind of in the trees, but I've got about one eighty-five left. I mean, it didn't go very far. But if I hit a low five iron, I might be able to run it up in front of uh, front of the green and a pitch on. So, but the ball's on a very severe downhill lie, and I got to make sure I keep it low. And I make a <laughs> I make such a quick uh, tense swing that I actually fall down after hitting it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and it scuttles about, you know, 60 yards into another, you know. Anyways, I end up making double bogey. Yeah. If I had have just taken my wedge, popped it out there in about a 45-degree angle, it would have been a very easy wedge and likely a bogey. So there you go, folks. That's a perfect example of of our strategy if if i didn't that was a poor decision i made that led to poor scoring i love that example for about a half dozen reasons but i'll tell you the top two number one it had nothing to do with tim o'connor and how he swings a golf club but because you didn't and and i'm going to say the second part and i would this is how i would analyze that because it happens to me the I'm not say shock, but there's still a little bit of the stink on of hitting it where you hit it. And this is what separates, this is what separates elite amateurs and pros from the rest of us is that a pro walks up to that shot and goes, okay, now what's the shot here? And, and I'm not saying you didn't do that, but you, you, rather than do the smarter thing, you tried to do something that was less you know, likely to work out because you were trying to make up somewhere mentally, even as involved as you are, trying to make up the stroke you just lost. Right. And one of my favorite sayings about, you know, bad shots is you don't you don't need to follow a bad shot with a great shot. You just need to follow a bad shot with an okay shot, because if you follow a bad shot with another bad shot, now you're behind it and, and you're just trying to make it up. Yep. Um, I'll give you a great example. The other night on men's night, I was, uh, you know, I'm, <clears throat> I can tell you I've been playing. I think everyone's figured it out. I'm playing pretty well. Uh-huh. 
And I, I go out on men's night. I birdie three of the first eight holes, and I shoot two under par in the front nine. Sweet. It's kind of going along. And uh, because I had been under par on several nine holes, it was exciting. But that little weird feeling in my sternum wasn't as vibrating. And um, I get to uh, a short par four, the 11th hole of my round. And it's only a four iron. It's number two at uh, Space Side. 334 yards. I hit four iron gap wedge or nine iron wedge, depending on on the, on the depending on how good I hit my four iron. <clears throat> so I'm over the ball. I'm two under par through ten holes. This is ridiculous. the The Glen Karen train goes by me. Yeah. It's and and it's and people who know that hole, it's only a few yards away and it's really noisy and really loud. And it's not making the horn sound, but it's really close to me and I'm over the ball. This is like one golf or swing thoughts 101. I'm over the ball. And for the first time that day, I don't take my full turn and I make this quick swing, as you described, and I, I flash my forearm out there, which normally goes about 200, 210. I hit it about 140 in the air. It catches the top of this bunker that I don't even remember is there. And now it goes in the bunker. That was kind of weird. So I, I have to basically, I have no shot to the green. If you know the hole, it's 150 yards away and the bunker's 10 feet deep. So I just hit a bunker shot, plop it back out on the fairway. 130 to the flag. It's a little bit uphill. And I hit a, I make a beautiful swing with a nine iron thinking I'm taking lots of extra club and I just get a gust of wind. It just hits the top of the little pot bunker, goes in the, in the bunker. Now I'm, I'm three in that bunker. I, I do my decade. Okay. All right. Hang on. I do the decade thing where I'm not trying to hit this. It's a long bunker shot, not trying to hit it too close. So I splash it out. Good contact. Nine feet away. Beautiful putt. I just lip out. And I make a, a double bogey. Now, I gave myself a five out of six mental uh, score on that hole because I didn't make, I only made one bad mental decision. The rest of it, I played out the best I could. I literally mm-hmm. focused on every shot and golf. I got a little bit of bad luck because, you know, not there are very few times where I'm going to even hit a horrible four iron and hit, hit it in that bunker. I'm more likely to hit it you know, 180 versus 200. So the moral of that story is golf is, I didn't make, I didn't make a bad decision except I should have stepped away when that train went by. But after that, I didn't make it worse. I didn't try and hit a hero shot out of the bunker. I got a little bit of bad luck on my third shot because it was like when I, when it left my club, I thought, oh, that's going to be either close or on the green for sure. Now you could just see the wind came up and slapped it down because I made good contact. The point is, you can still try and do the right thing and still make a double bogey, but I didn't make it worse, by, and I didn't make triple and ended up shooting, you know, a pretty decent score anyway. I was, I think I ended up shooting 73. The point is, I didn't feel any, you know, that kind of shitty feeling. I didn't feel bad going to the next hole because I thought, hey, man. Sometimes golf, you know, gives you some bad luck. And I just got a little bit of, I got a little unlucky and I knew I should have stepped away from that, from that swing. So that's what yeah. I learned. Totally. Again, I love that, that it's about the learning. And, and thank you for, even though you are GSL, for <laughs> confirming your humanity. Yeah, um, yeah we're going to do stuff like that. There's a noise and, oh, God, last night we're on the 13 and we're having fun. We're really having fun. And I had a nice, nice start. And I don't know what what the, I forget what I was talking about, but I didn't go through my process. Yeah, and I hit this atrocious shot. Like, and the guys go like, "Where'd that come from?" And I look back, and I could see the the club hit about four inches behind the ball. <laughs> That's right. And like, like whoa, like not a swing I normally make. But the only thing, but uh, I was glad I laughed about it. And yeah, certainly they laughed, but. I was just okay. You didn't. You, you you didn't follow your process. You didn't. I. So, anyways, we do stuff like that. We're humans, for gosh sakes. But but it's you know it's interesting. Like when you say your your first thought was I didn't follow my process, and that's basically what happened to me because that swing had nothing to do with my skills, right? I, and I wasn't like walking toward that bunker thinking, how do I hit a four iron again? Like where again? And that's 
What Where I used to be when this show began is I would have spent the entire rest of the day wondering why I hit that shot. I knew as soon as that happened, I was like, and I actually said, oh, come on, Howard, seriously. Like, exactly. the fucking train, was it was, it was just rumbling by, and it's very close. And again, it's not an excuse, but I know I know how to hit a four iron. I could have hit seven iron farther than, the hole's only 330, so whatever, maybe, and it was the front tee, so I probably could have hit six iron over that bunker. I, I, so it, it had nothing to do with skills. As far as strategy goes, I did the right thing. I didn't. I just splashed it out. I didn't try and get it further than I, 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 you know, I didn't bite off more than I could chew. Third shot, I thought I hit a nice. I made a nice swing, a little draw nine iron. It shouldn't have been. A, it should have been enough. And when it left my club, I thought, oh, you know, good swing. And I see it hit the bunker and, and literally the last foot, and it went back in the bunker. Again, strategically, I, I went through the rest of that hole and made a double bogey, just lipped out for the bogey. Nice putt. And, mm-hmm. and I walked in the next tee, and I didn't feel any of that <laughs> weird electrical, I suck at golf swing. Hit, I get up on the next tee, hit it another beautiful nine iron, same club, thank you, golf. Hit that to yeah. nine feet. Didn't make the putt, but that's fine. My point is, if you're... If you're taking care of strategy and scoring in the pathways and by the way it's not pathway pathways means there's lots of ways to par lots of ways to make soft bogeys and around through oh yeah you've yeah because most people think there's only a pathway to excellence but listen the o'connor golf system is all about lots of <laughs> ways to enjoy the game and feel better about it while lowering your score but that's not just hitting better tee shots or having a better swing like if we had spent the last six years working on golf swing uh talk on this show we still wouldn't have it solved no who can no one tell me so it it, fred shoemaker has a great story he talked about going in front of i think it was the texas pga he's standing in front of you know, this this gathering of many golf professionals. And he got up there and he says, um, he says, I don't know how to swing a golf club. And I don't think you do either. <laughs> yeah. And and he goes, what do you think happened? Yeah, a shit storm. <laughs> and he says, he went, really, can you tell me which neuron fires that, that sparks some, a certain muscle to contract and another one to relax? And, and some, no one... No one can tell you that. That like, so we can. That's the issue, I think. Really, is that we get so stuck in trying to figure out how to move this this machine, you know, with this like kind of like Atari level little shit box with this millions of years of evolution, this magnificent machine. We don't know how it works, but somehow it figures out how to walk downstairs, how to catch itself when it slip on ice. And how to hit a nice four iron. It just has deeper wisdom than we have. But, I mean, the, the thing I want to also connect to was around, this is, a, your example is a perfect example of awareness. And George McNamara talked about it. A little preview. Uh, we're going to get into this with uh, Sam Jarman uh, next week on, on the next episode of Swing Thoughts. So, awareness it, to me is like what's actually happening right now as it ha- happening so last night on 13 i was not aware that i was making a decision that i would be tense um that probably had a low probability of working out you didn't have awareness that oh i'm being distracted by this train and i could step away and restart that to me, is when we're talking about awareness is what's happening, and then we're able to respond. Yeah, you respond to that, please. Well, let me, let me just uh, let me just soak it all in for a second. Um, <laughs> I snorted. That was good. <laughs> um, <laughs> just, I'm just getting a little weird mic noise on my microphone here. I've been. Doing, I know I snorted. I throw. No, no, I it's threw not everything you. off. Um. Yeah, I, I think that uh, it's. Uh, hang on, I may have to uh, just change the microphone here. We're having what we call technical difficulties right now. Uh yeah, and I. 
Are your people trying to figure it out? It, it happened a few times on the uh, Humble and Fred show to th- this week, and I'm and I thought I'd fixed it, but I think it might have to do with the uh, with the Zoom. Because can you not hear it? Like my microphone is. Does that not you not hear that sound? No, I can't. But I, mean, I don't have your volume all the way up. No, I know. Um, well, let's just try and... Uh, I, I don't know if this will show up actually on the podcast. Anyhow. Um, you know, when, when, I was, uh, when I was under par the other night, yeah, I was aware that that was happening. But because of some recent experience, it wasn't foremost in my brain. I wasn't starting to future... Oh, I'm going to win men's night, you know. I don't I wasn't doing any of that. I was just like, okay. I had a notion that I think I could be not like, oh, this is going to be a low one, but I do remember somewhere after I made the third birdie thinking, this would be kind of cool if I could shoot like, you know, I wonder how low could I go. Not that I was going to press it, but I had this sort of awareness like, you know, that's an interesting idea, and then I thought about it for a second. I went, well, that's not going to help you on this next tee shot. That's right. But I, I did have those thoughts. And that's awareness. And that's, that's awareness so right I, there. I had some awareness that this was happening. It was exciting. But a, a little bit of experience recently, I'm like, okay, I can handle it. You know, I've had three nines, four nines in the last two weeks where I was under par. So nothing about that tee shot where I, you know, I dinked it into the bunker was about me pressing, but it was a lack of awareness in that moment. What, what I felt good about, and I, the way I reframed it, if you want to use that hackneyed phrase, is I went, mm-hmm. okay, that was a bit of an error of awareness, not of golf skill. And what I think the big takeaway I'd want our uh, you know, swing thought nerds to hear is that thinking about your golf skill makes less time to think about the strategy and scoring part of every round you play. Totally. And the problem is, as I mentioned, I'll say it again. If I had spent time worrying about why I all of a sudden hit a four iron into a bunker 160 yards away, I might have been tempted to try and hit that second shot out of this pit of despair further than <laughs> that's what that's what Glenn Karen has. They're not bunkers. They're just pits of despair. And by the way, for you kids, take, you know, following along at home, that's a Princess Bride uh, um, reference. <laughs> So I might have been tempted, like a lot of us, to hit a a, a more of a hero shot, see how far I could get it down there. But I'm like, I'm 150 yards from the green. If I hit this bunker shot 15 yards, I'll have 135. I should probably be able to hit the green from there. I was wrong, but I didn't. I was aware enough at that moment to continue to golf my ball strategically. And double bogey was the best score I could make in that hole. And if you look at the game that way, as Deke would say... As decade would as decade would say, and that's why back to full circle, Bryson DeChambeau, I played the highest percentages to give me the lowest score. You yep. know, I was one foot in the air for making a simple bogey on that hole. I lipped out for bogey on the hole, did my very best to minimize the damage of that. You know, we'll call it a penalty shot. Now the rest of that round, I played very nicely. I made a bogey on seventeen, hit the eighteenth green in two, par five. No, not from the Reds. Although if I were you, that's what I would have said. Um, I hit the par five in two, but the ball rolled over the green, over the fringe, and then settled down about an inch or two into this clump of grass. If it had stopped three inches before that, I would have had a simple forty footer, two putt, made a birdie shot, even par. But it was in a clump of grass. I put the ball back in my stance in it with a putter and blooped it out of there. It went about nine feet by the hole. I missed that putt. And yes, I said fuck. But <laughs> my, my point is so that didn't work out in my favor, but nothing about it left me thinking, oh, I can't putt now. Again, a decade, one of my favorite things they say is that winning is a matter of luck. And I would say, forget winning, scoring is always a matter of some amount of luck. Always. You know, and I think as golfers, we forget that. And, and we think it's up to us. You know, we're all type A personalities and obsessive, you know, our nature. But you know this as well as anyone I've ever met. There's an element of just randomness to it all. But if you don't keep that top of mind, you think you're in control? We're not. We have no control. No, totally. No, so, um, 
Yeah, again, if we come back, so maybe I should have a, every time I mention Fred Shoemaker, we should do some kind of sound drinking game. There you go. Um, as we said many times on this show before quoting the great Fred, um, perform it, how you play, oh, I don't get the initial part of it. <laughs> this is like the Steve Martin thing. Uh, this guru told me so many years ago, I'll never forget it. Um, <laughs> That's right. No, wait. Uh, no, here it is. No, Fred talks about performances based on, you can take, it's your learning that you take today into tomorrow, but you can't, your performance will not dictate your performance the next day. You shot 69, and then the next couple of days you shot 87. Yeah, that's right. You know, I shot the same thing. I shot, a think, a 75 last year. My next round was an 87. It's about what you learn. So to circle back to Mac Hughes, what he's taking from that was his, his learning in that situation. So here you are. You've had a couple of rounds now in the last couple of weeks where you've been under par. So now when you found yourself under par – you weren't you're you've been in that territory before mm-hmm. it's not this new exciting thing it's okay cool it's still yeah kind of a, yeah it is exciting but it's not oh my gosh <laughs> you know this is a new territory i've yeah. never been in and that's why you watch players like Mac Hughes and other people who suddenly find themselves you know maybe they've won a tournament or two and they find themselves back nine on Sunday at a major, and generally they throw up all over the shoes. Yeah, of course. Because they're not used to being there. And so the more, and, and I remember someone saying to Mo Norman, how do you become tournament tough? Playing tournaments. Playing tournaments. <laughs> you know, if I may just interject quickly, you know what? Jack Nicholas, um, you know, he finished like 16 or 17 times in, finished second in majors. He won 18 majors, but his, 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 his record in the majors is even worse that of Tiger. Like his his ability to stay near the lead in a big tournament. And what did Nicholas used to say? You know, he talked a lot about how he knew that given those situations, a lot of people were going to fade away. And as long as like Nicholas wasn't shooting sixty three to win, then whatever he was no. just shoot. And same with Tiger. Tiger would never. Yeah. Tiger wasn't like a go low guy. Tiger was just going to sixty eight and sixty nine and seventy you to death. And same with Nicholas. Exactly. And Nicholas knew that given most people's tension level in big events, that all he had to do was just maintain. Again, I'm, please don't think I'm comparing myself. I just know that tomorrow will be. Uh, since 2017, so 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. So this is my fifth year going back to playing tournament golf. I've been in that situation a lot. I've also been in that situation and seen, you know, myself, you know, sort of handle it okay. So again, I can't tell you how I'm going to flush it or not tomorrow, but given the fact that I kind of trust that I have a baseline ability, but I, I know that you know, over the course of two days, I and I have recent experience. Last year, I shot 80 in the first round, and I banged my fists like a child against the interior of my car. <laughs> but I came back the next day, had a good round, while everyone else, you know, frankly, shit the bed, and I tied for the lead. So I know that tomorrow, whether I get off to a good start or a bad start, or I double the second hole, doesn't matter. Because I know just given human nature that... You know, most people will also feel that way. And we forget that. We forget that, you know, you were on men's night yesterday. And, you you know, if you bog- we've talked about this. If you bogey the 10th hole at Blue Springs, you are gaining on the field. Exactly. But sometimes we forget that. You know, if you make a six there, you probably only lost three quarters of a shot on men's night. Well, that's one of the key takeaways that I've got from the decade uh- Thank you. You're welcome. The decade uh, schooling that we've been having, thank you, Professor, mm-hmm. um, is how you relate to the field. And that's part of competition, whether it's men's night or the Saturday morning league or whatever it is. Um, it's like, uh, I think I bogeyed eight yesterday. So that's like 10 for me. So for me, if I make a five on the par four eighth, that's a par for me. 
And the thing is, I know I'm not losing strokes to the field at all. Yeah, it's a tough. But hole. the thing I just want to want to come back to is just I think that um, what I love what you're talking about is going into defending your championship. Um, so there'd be a lot of people who would they might identify, oh, I'm the champion. I'm supposed to play at a certain level. And when you start to get into that thinking, that's when it can really go sideways for you. You know, as Rory McIlroy talked about, if your self-esteem rides on the scores you shoot, uh, that's that's a perilous journey. Yeah. But uh, I think because we got to want... <laughs> I got to wind this up. I got to be out of here in about 10 minutes. I should have probably let you know that in advance. That's fine. Um, But it's if we focus more on the decisions we make and the, and the strategy that takes so much stress out of, I love the, the, this phrase you've come up with ball hitting. It takes so much of that stress away. And so, so if you're not hitting your driver, well, well, maybe hit your hybrid. Maybe even hit a five iron. Get it in the fairway. Find it. And when we start to make these better decisions, there's so much less stress on your skill part of your Absolutely. Game. And that's a really great uh, um, discovery. I'm going to add that to Pathways to Par. Um, it, what By being good strategically and focusing on scoring as a, um, you know, a goal to do the, le- the best score you can... Um, it does take some pressure off your skill. For instance, again, I hit my third shot into a pot bunker. I was about 15 yards away from the hole. Maybe not. Uh, about 45 feet. But if I'd have been trying to get that close, now I... And it's, a, it's, a, it's another deep bunker, not a pit of despair, but it's not an easy shot, even with being able to touch the golf ball and take it out of a footprint. It, but my goal was to make a nice bunker shot, splash it out, make sure I make good contact with the sand, and I splashed it out, and I hit it to nine feet, which is about average on the PGA Tour, according to what? So, so my strategy was good. My, my, I, I was focused on scoring within my skill set, and I almost made the bogey. What I didn't make was a skull shot over the green and chipped back and made a quad. For no reason. And I've told my brothers this, and I'll tell you nerds this. Not making triple and not making double as often as you can is easier to do than making birdies. It just is. And it will have a huge impact on your score, which has nothing to do with your skill. Thank you, and good night. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to add to that. So I played with uh, Dr. John last night. Dr. John, Uh, I love his stuff. Might have been the right place. Could have been the wrong time. I know. I love that. You don't quite have the gravel. You got to smoke some Pall Malls and drink a lot of whiskey. Oh, yeah. Anyways, Dr. John, his driver has been misbehaving. Oh, yeah. So keep telling the story while we yeah, go um, to the sounds of Dr. So the driver's in the, pen- the driver's in the penalty box. Yeah, man. So... So he's playing some par fours, some of which are you know three eighty ish to four hundred. Yeah, he's hitting five irons off tees. Good for Doctor John. Just boop, 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 and he's making easy bogeys because there's no, there's not a lot of stress. He knows that with like a five iron, or I'm guessing that's kind of what he was hitting off off tees. That he's he's making these relaxed swings. Yeah. He's in essence making. Uh, aggressive swings to conservative targets. I mean, he's got a, a big honking fairway. Bops it down there, bops it down again, bops it on the green. Two putts. Thank you. That that eighth hole at Blue Springs, if you made bogey there for the summer, you would be basically losing no strokes. Forget, the, forget men's night on any given day. You could hit five iron, five iron, or five iron, seven iron wedge, maybe make the odd par, but you'd be way ahead of the number of times that double bogey and triple bogey on that hole is in play. It is a really... that I always forget how tough that hole is. That and 10 are the two toughest yeah. holes on that golf course. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much to uh, everyone. Thanks to... Um, uh, was it Cameron Scott? I've already Cameron Scott. All right, Cam. He's an STD. <laughs> Love that. Um, and of course, thank you to uh, Jonathan Wong, JW Apparel Royal Albatross PRG Garb EPNY B Dratty Zero Restriction. 
And of course, F and G. And TaylorMade Golf. Look at you. Look at us playing TaylorMade stuff. Haven't even talked about how much I love the uh, Spider Putter. The new Spider I'm I'm playing is just uh, oh, I, I got sweet. last year's. I'm still loving it. Yeah, me too. I uh, have it as a my backup now. Uh, TaylorMadeGolf.ca uh, to learn more. Don't forget, there's irons and of course the TP5 ball, the uh, little picks ball there that uh, Ricky Fowler uses, and See Matt there. Wolf. Oh yeah. And uh, Ricky Fowler's uh, got his wife pregnant. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. Eh, good for him. Hey, my son Sean's getting fitted uh, at the TaylorMade Lab in Woodbridge on Monday. Well, that is exciting news. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be a good dad and lad trip. Nice. I love it. Well, listen, everybody. Uh, O'ConnorGolf.ca. Uh, Tim at O'ConnorGolf.com uh, or .ca is your email. .ca. Okay, and HumbleHoward at gmail.com. If you want to respond, uh, like and subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, and we will uh, see you next week, everybody. Hit the music.